0: From Nine News in Denver, Colorado, this is Blame. An ongoing investigation into a mother's death, her husband's secrets, and the lax police work that put Blame squarely on the shoulders of their six-year-old son. Was the shooting of Jill Wells really an accident? Join Nine Wants to Know in our pursuit to discover, is someone else to blame?
1: A gunshot echoes across a windswept prairie. shot my wife. A young mother dead. Knowing everything, you know we, have no of that we know right. now. An investigation over before it began. That child was innocent. I feel like I failed him too. Gut feelings. Oh man, if I just would have known this a long time there was ago. There a lot of red flags. And an unanswered question. The preponderance of evidence. Oh, I would have done something about this. This case really points to a homicide. Was a six-year-old really to blame?
0: Well, we're back.
1: We're back. It's been a few weeks.
0: We have a little bit of, of news. We've been, you know, calling around and talking to people, and people are starting to, well, authorities, people who can do something, not just us, talking about what could be the next step in this. We've been working over the last couple of months since we wrapped up the first 12 episodes of Blame.
1: We've been working on all kinds of other aspects of this case, working on our TV project, working on our narrative project.
0: Looking for what's next in this case, and I think we're finally getting somewhere. Right now we're working on some television stories and a longer-form story that's going to appear in the... Colorado Springs
1: Gazette. Yes, and on 9news.com. And this is all going to look at what we've been pursuing for about a year, which is the death of Jill Wells.
0: Oh, I've been working on this for a year with you. And I was reading the first part that's going to be in the Gazette. And quite frankly, there are some stories in there that even I don't know. One of the things that I don't remember ever hearing about were these dreams that Julie was having about her sister after Jill died.
1: As you can imagine, for uh, all of Jill Wells' family, this was a traumatic loss. It was particularly difficult for for Julie in the sense that she had a very unique relationship with Jill, Julie had a lot of issues with self-esteem when she was little, Jill was the person that really pushed her to believe in herself, stand up for herself, be assertive, be aggressive. After Jill's death, Julie's loss manifested itself in these dreams, in dreams in which she felt like Jill was telling her to to do something, to push for the truth, to try to find out what happened to her. Julia first talked about these dreams when we were in Missouri to interview her. I think at the time that was, there was so much that we talked about. It was so much that was almost overwhelming. All the different things that we talked about. I mean, we spent almost a whole day with them. And it was after I came home and I started looking through that and I saw that she had mentioned these dreams. And then so at, at some point I called her back and asked her to talk to me in more depth about that. It just made, it made me think about all the ways that grief and loss manifests itself in different people. That for her this was a very real experience that went on for a long time.
0: And we decided that it would be great to get this in the Colorado Springs Gazette because of where it is in relation to Lincoln County.
1: So Lincoln County is about halfway between Colorado Springs and the Kansas border, right out in the middle of eastern Colorado. So there's that element, but there's also the fact that Jill Wells worked at the hospital in Colorado Springs, lived in the Colorado Springs area. She and her husband Mike ultimately made their home in Woodland Park. A lot of their friends, a lot of her friends that we talked to for this story, they all people with either who live in Colorado Springs or have ties there and so it made sense to us for this paper in the Springs to be able to run the written version of our story. One thing I'd like to have happen is I I know there's still people that I haven't found or people that I don't even know about that know things that I want to talk about and so part of the part of the hope is that the story appearing there in that community will spark some more people to start talking about this and maybe some new information will come forward. I think one of the interesting things about this case is we started out in the beginning thinking we, hoping maybe that we would get to a definitive answer about a lot of things, and I think what we found is that we've gotten a lot of answers, but some of the bigger answers still feel like they're just not completely clear.
0: And even the people that we've talked to before, new things are coming into their minds after sitting down and having conversations with us, and the one that I think about the most is, is Kathy Parham, remembering things that Jill said to her even weeks, months after we talked to her.
1: Kathy was probably Jill's best friend at work at the hospital. They were both nurses there. They were in a prayer group together, a Bible study group together. They walked on their lunch breaks a lot. She
0: had her shoes.
1: She has her shoes, yeah. She
0: has Jill's shoes in her office. Yes,
1: I've talked to her a number of times over these months to follow up and that sort of thing. And just talking to her last week, she remembered something that she hadn't thought about in a long time. Kathy told the story that she remembered that Jill had told her they had been out shooting and um, Tanner was aiming at a bullseye that he didn't hit. And that Mike came around behind him and shot at the target with his own rifle and hit the target and in a way that made Mike, or excuse me, in a way that made Tanner think he had hit the bullseye and that Tanner was very excited and Jill thought this was very cute that Mike had done this thing to make him feel, you know, like a big boy. He idolized his dad. He wanted him to feel like he had shot as well as his dad. And you know, when I I heard that, T- two thoughts went through my head, right? Anybody that's had kids has played those games with their kids, whether you're playing Monopoly or whatever, when there's times when they're little, when you, when parents let the kids win.
0: You let them win.
1: That's, I think, how Jill described this to Kathy in Kathy's memory, you know, that this was a case where Mike let Tanner win. But one of the theories that's been floated by investigators have looked at this thing is that, you know, when Tanner had a rifle in his hands, on the day that Jill was killed, that Mike somehow snuck around behind him and actually fired that shot.
0: People are talking and people who can do something are talking about what can be done in this case, finally.
1: Yeah, there are steps that authorities could take and there's discussions going on about what's appropriate, what should be done. There's a number of different options. I mean, if you think about um, different people that could do things, the Lincoln County coroner could change Jill's death certificate. The um, Lincoln County Sheriff's Department could continue to do more investigation. They've done quite a bit of work, the case is still open. The Lincoln County District Attorney's Office could consider something like a grand jury. Frankly, um, you know, if this wasn't an accident and if this was a murder, the prime suspect is Mike Wells and Mike Wells is dead, so the idea that there might be the kind of investigation that somebody would do when you were thinking about filing criminal charges against somebody, you know, it's its probably not likely that's going to happen.
0: We've been talking to the district attorney, the current district attorney, the one who could do something.
1: There are discussions ongoing about what would be reasonable and proper things to do that might um, ultimately lead to sort of setting the record straight or setting the record straight as best we can one of the interesting and exciting things about what we've done here I think journalistically is we've produced these podcasts which are one way of telling this story and telling the story about how we reported this and how we pursued this investigation and then we have the narrative story that's going to be on our website in the carter Springs Gazette which is sort of a different experience in looking at uh, this story it and reads then like a novel and <laughs> then <laughs> it does i consider that a compliment <laughs> and then the television stories are going to be at a very different experience which are going to look not only at this case but other cases and at some systemic issues and for me as a as a consumer of of news i always find it so interesting to perhaps read a story and then see people in that story talking on camera. It's its its different, and so it's exciting to me that we're doing all of those things with this case.
0: And we know there's so many people that have been listening all over the world. We're, you know, have talked about Australians <laughs> who have been listening yes. to this podcast, and they're not gonna be able to tune in at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock next week on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but they can watch it too.
1: So it'll be available on 9news.com, and we'll be sharing Information and people can interact with us on the Nine News um, Facebook page, the Blame Facebook page. If you go to Facebook.com slash Blame Podcast, you'll find information about the stories there and you can interact with us there. So there'll be a lot of places where people can find this stuff. Blame is a production of KUSA TV, Nine News, and Tegna Media. Nicole Vapp is executive producer, Anna Hewson is the producer and editor, and I'm investigative reporter Kevin Vaughn. Find photographs, police reports, maps, and other evidence on 9news.com slash blame.